What's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. I, uh, am... <laughs> I'm not even going to cut that out. I have the hardest time figuring out how to start a show. I literally don't know what to say. I just want to get on here and be like, hi. 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 That's it. Aloha and hello. This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. I hope everybody's having, I think... What will be a great Friday? If I get this uploaded by the end of the week, it will be Friday. Um, this will be episode number three if it makes it online. So I'm glad to be back on. Thank you for everybody who's listening out there in the world. And I am your host, Quentin, coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios, a.k.a. my house. It is, a, if I don't say so myself, a rather luxurious studio. I've got a uh, Sanyo TV in front of me that was purchased off Craigslist, a bed behind me that's a... Uh, well, it's a king-size bed, but it doesn't feel like a king-size bed because my feet still hang off of it. The guy said he was giving me a good deal, and it looked like a king-size bed. But when I lay on it, my feet hang off. It feels a little more like a twin bed. Um, I have a ceiling fan, so that's a plus. But either way, um, I won't go too much into the studio. We'll do a studio tour at some point in the future, and everyone can see just the luxurious studio that we have. You know, it might um feels like something off Cribs. Not like MTV Cribs, but like the cops Cribs where like they bust in and like arrest people. You know, it's it's not big. Either way, um, this is it. We're going to talk some baseball. Let's start with some NL Central, some Chicago Cubs baseball. I have some fans that listen to this show that live in Illinois, but most of them are Cardinals fans, so they'll probably cringe at anything Chicago Cubs. I promise, I promise I'll make it quick if you are a Cardinals fan, but the NL Central... I thought the Brewers were going to win the division, and going into the last series that the Cubs had against the Cardinals, I thought the Cubs were probably in trouble, and I assumed they would relinquish what little lead they had. But then again, being a Cubs fan all your life, you're used to being let down. The Chicago Cubs are a father who says they're going to go to the store to buy cigarettes, and they never come back. But then, like, they come back, like, four years later, and then just for, like, a couple minutes, and then they're like, oh, I gotta go buy a pack of cigarettes, and then I promise I'll be right back, and then they just disappear again. And, I mean, thank God, you know, last year they bought cigarettes, and they came back immediately, and I thought, hey, this is good. We made it through and won a World Series, and I said to myself, I'll never stress about the Chicago Cubs again. Well, that's out the window. Absolutely not happening. But what did happen is the Chicago Cubs swept the St. Louis Cardinals. And they're actually beating the Cardinals right now. And they beat the Cardinals on, oh, I gave myself away as to what day this was recording. We'll have to cancel that out. Today's really Tuesday that I'm recording. It's not Friday, guys. So the whole Welcome Friday thing at the beginning is not real. But they've officially eliminated the Cardinals from winning the NL Central, and then they took three out of four from the Milwaukee Brewers, so it looks like that the Card- that the Cubs are going to be a division winner, which means they're going to face the Washington Nationals in the postseason. few questions around the Chicago Cubs mainly is the starting rotation. The starting rotation last year was, was clear. It really was. You had John Lester, 19-game winner, about a 2.3-something ERA. He was clearly going to be your Game 1 starter. After that, you were going to run Hendricks, Arietta, and Lackey. Those were your four guys. This year, that starting rotation has been completely flipped, turned, flip it and reverse it like Missy Elliott. It's no good. I mean, it's good because they're going to win their division, but it's all up in the air 
Right, so let's start. Well, the first question I want to ask is what should the Chicago Cubs do with their starting rotation? Your number one guy, John Lester, he can't. you can't put him in there in game one right now. His last six of his last seven starts. Okay, so he had a good start in St. Louis. But if you take the six before that, his earned run average was over a touchdown. Opponents were basically batting the triple crown off of him with a slash line that dwarfed the slash line that Aaron Judge has. Not looking good, allowing too many base runners, hard contact, missing pitches. John Lester's not a flamethrower, but you know if he's he's if you if you miss on your velocity pitches, you're going to get hit hard. And he's missing with his fastball, not locating certain pitches, not locating his breaking balls. He's not going to be your number one starter at all. So, if we're going to ask ourselves the question of who's going to start for the Chicago Cubs in their starting rotation, we know it's not going to be John Lester. Who's going to be number one in the batch? Well, you got to look at two. Okay. They're going to look at two guys, and they're going to look at Jake Arrieta is starting game one, and then possibly Jose Quintana starting game one because he pitched a complete game shutout against the Brewers. And I would imagine, I want to say Arrieta would probably get the ball based off his post-All-Star break stuff. I personally think Kyle Hendricks should get the ball in game one. I don't think there's a question about it that Kyle Hendricks should get the ball in game one. From the time he's come back and he's been healthy, he's consistently been getting better with each start that he goes. He's been going deep into games. He's most recently pitched. Oh, One of his last starts, he threw well over 100 pitches through seven and two-thirds innings. Had an amazing start. And I think if the Chicago Cubs put Kyle Hendricks... And there is number one. He's going to, in the least, give you five or six innings of probably no run to one run ball. He he will. And then at that point, because the Cubs aren't going to have home field advantage, they're going to have to go and play the Nationals. So if we look at that matchup, number one, do I want to send Jose Quintana to throw against the Nationals? No, that's something I could think about now that I'm talking through this because... To the Nationals' most dangerous hitters are both lefties and Daniel Murphy and Bryce Harper. So, with that being said, do I maybe want Jose Quintana to go in there and pitch game one? I would consider it. I would consider it. This is a tough one. Who, who do we go with? Because with if you even get past the Washington Nationals' dominant lefties, you still have to get through Anthony Rendon, Ryan Zimmerman, Adam Lind... Adam Lynn might be a lefty, actually, but you still have Ryan Zimmerman, and you still have Anthony Rendon. You have to get through those guys, even if you get past Harper and Murphy. I feel like Murphy can still hit lefties. Like, in my point, Daniel Murphy in the playoff is... Daniel Murphy, second baseman for the Washington Nationals. Get him in the playoffs. He's just as dangerous as Michael Jordan is in the playoffs. I don't think he cares if you're left-handed or right-handed. He's going to hit the ball. See... 2015 New York Mets Daniel Murphy against Clayton Kershaw and Zach Granke. He abused the two equally, and it really didn't matter. So it might not be so much if you put in Quintana. You might not get the results you're looking for. One, because I think Murphy can hit lefties. But two, you still have to deal with Rendon and Zimmerman. I'm not too sure. I I don't know that you do that. I think I still go with Kyle Hendricks in game one. So... Kyle Hendricks leads the starting rotation for the Cubs in game one. After that, then at that point, you've got your one dialed down. I'm okay with putting Arietta two. 
and then I'm okay with putting Lester three, and I'm okay with putting Jose Quintana at number four. The big question is, what do you do with John Lackey? Because John Lackey has this huge amount of playoff experience with a couple World Series rings, one in Boston and one in Chicago. But in the playoffs, you're only going to run a four-man rotation. Do you... Oh, man. I mean, to not play John Lackey, I mean, I guess there's just not a spot for him. You know, you're still going to have him in the clubhouse, which is which you have to have. You wonder if you could utilize a guy like John Lackey in the bullpen. I don't think you can because he's really bad in the first inning. So everything tells me when he warms up and comes off the bench, he's probably going to give up home runs. But either way, that's my starting rotation for the Chicago Cubs, which actually leads me to another really interesting question because I feel like the Houston Astros are in a similar situation. Not so much with the overall layout of their starters, but what their one and two are going to look like. Okay. Dallas Keuchel's always been their guy. He's been their ace. 2015 Cy Young Award winner. He pitched the wild card game against the New York Yankees in 2015. He had an off year in 2016. Came out this year stellar pitching. Then got hurt. Came back from the injury. Had a few hiccups. So one of the big questions is now coming out of Houston is who starts game one for the Houston Astros. You've got Justin Verlander who right now with the Astros is 4-0. With a .63 ERA. He's nearly unhittable, and every start he goes out is at least seven innings. I want to say he's got a couple eight-inning outings in there as well. And Verlander's a guy, he's a hard thrower. He's got huge playoff experience. So what do you do for the team? Okay. And I guess you want to look at it and say, well, easy. It's Justin Verlander. He's 4-0 with a .67 ERA. Why would I not throw him? But just pump the brakes on that a little bit and let me give you... What I think, I think they should go with Dallas Keuchel. I absolutely think they should go with Dallas Keuchel. This team, the core players on this team, they've been together for a very long time. And at the trade deadline, when the Astros didn't go to get anyone, when Jeff Luno didn't go to get a pitcher, the team was kind of let down. And I feel like maybe... They kind of rallied behind what they had. They were burned by it, but still, at the end of the day, they knew they had themselves. They knew it was Dallas, Carlos, Jose, George, the guys that they've had and the guys that they stick with. Now you bring Justin Verlander in, who's well-respected, and I'm not saying like there's any sort of weird stuff within Houston Astros' clubhouse, but when you go in Game 1, what does it mean to start the new guy in Game 1 versus... The guy that brought you to the dance, the guy that you threw in the 2015 wildcard game, the guy you grinded with last year, the guy you grinded with this year, even when times are tough and he's pitched through injuries, who's led that pitching staff of Colin McHugh, Lance McCullers Jr., ground Chuck Charlie Morton. I think you have to go with him in game one. I think if you're going to get that feel and the players are going to take the field in game one, I believe their best bet for the clubhouse dynamic, and I know it's not the numbers, and it's not the percentage, and it's not whip and ERA and Verlander's 4-0 and this and that, right? Verlander's 4-0 is really pretty, but his four starts are two against the Mariners and two against the Angels, right? So, like, those numbers look phenomenal. They're not really that great of teams, But Justin Verlander still had an amazing second half, and over the past few years, he's always had a good second half pitching. But I think I'm going with the clubhouse feel. I'm going with the clubhouse dynamic. I want, if I'm A.J. Hinch, I want my guy, 
Dallas Keuchel on the mound. That's what I do. And when the players take the field, all the Houston Astros take the field in game one when they're playing the Red Sox, probably, because the Indians have a two-game lead over them. Essentially, technically the lead's one, but they own the tiebreaker, so it would be a two-game lead. They're going to play the Red Sox. And, you know, they take the field in Houston, right? This town that's just went through so much. And I know that the players in Houston have went through a lot because their people are going through so much. I think it's so important. I think it's necessary in game one to put your guys on the mound. And that includes Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel starts game one for the Houston Astros. I don't know that he will, but I think for the city, for the state, for the club, for everybody, that man needs to be on the mound in game one. Because this is a team that's it's the rebuilding team. You know, in 2014, Sports Illustrated says this really bad 100-loss team is going to win the World Series. And... They had a great year in 2015. 2016, they underperformed. And Keiko's been your guy grinding on this team when it hasn't always been pretty. So your seventh rounder out of Arkansas, put him on the mound. And that is Dallas Keiko. We are back again after that segment, Greatest Show on Dirt. I um Feeling pretty good today. I've been uh, went to the gym today. Did some exercises. I did some weightlifting exercises. I did some bench press and I did some pull ups. I am, as some of my viewers know, hopefully all my viewers know, I'm getting married in one week. So I've been working on my fitness. I would like to have beach body when I go to Mexico. <laughs> I, I would like to. I don't have that beach body though. I'm really not even close. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm 34, I'll be 34 on October 8th, and I, in my head, no matter how much acid reflux I get, I still feel like I have the body that I did when I was 22, and I realize that that's not the case, so when I thought, oh, I need to lose weight, like, I want to trim up, because when I'm at the beach, I don't want to feel like that I'm just, like, this skinny, fat guy who always eats biscuits and gravy because I'm a skinny fat guy who always eats biscuits and gravy. I've done a pretty good job in my old age of not really getting bigger, but I'm just getting thinner without actually having any real muscle. And so when I decided, I said, well, I want to lose weight and I'm going to get in shape for the wedding. Well, the first thing I did was, why should you just not eat so much biscuits and gravy? Because my work has the best breakfast bar ever and they have phenomenal biscuits and gravy and you can get biscuits and gravy from them for a dollar sixty. Which is the best thing that could ever happen to me personally in my heart and in my life. Now, not like heart health because that's bad. The, the, the gravy is really like killing my heart on the inside. But it's also warming my heart on the inside with the gravy and the sausage that's in it. Especially when I go to get it and it's really thick. And I put it on the biscuits. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody something right now. And I'm going to get real personal on the broadcast. And this isn't anything I do a whole lot. It's real difficult for me to let people in. But... My mom was pregnant with me. She was a teacher at a beauty college, so she taught young people how to cut hair and make people look pretty. 
and she was pregnant with me back in 1983, and there was a Hardee's across the street. Now, my mom would go to work day in and day out, no matter how bad I made her feel with my chunky ass inside of her body. I was born at nearly 10 pounds. She would always go across the street to that Hardee's and get biscuits and gravy. Every day she was pregnant with me, she fed me through the umbilical cord biscuits and gravy. She provided me with biscuits and gravy to nourish her and her growing baby on the inside. Right? So understand that and now understand this. My favorite food, I kid you not, biscuits and gravy. (laughs) Biscuits and gravy are my favorite food. It's nature over nurture. Nature always wins. Or maybe she nurtured me with the biscuits and gravy. And I love them. So when I got this job and realized I could take this cardboard crate like they have at Whole Foods and put as much biscuits and gravy in it as I wanted, like one, I felt like I was in heaven. Like Golden Streets, not really so much. Gravy Streets, I'm okay with. And the fact that I can just load up as much as I want is more of a challenge than anything, right? Because, well... I mean, I'm to the point now where it's also a challenge to walk up the stairs and still keep breathing, but it's also like how many biscuits and gravy can I put in this thing? Like one day I put three big biscuits in there that were probably the size of a softball, loaded it up with gravy. It completely soaked through the cardboard, but they still only charged me $1.63, and I just, it was just so good. And so I thought, well, let's maybe do one biscuit. Because I tried to go cold turkey off the biscuits and I couldn't do it. And so I cut my I cut it down to one biscuit. And that's how I thought I would lose weight for the wedding is go on the one biscuit diet. Some people do Atkins. Hell, I figured one biscuit. And then maybe like two. <laughs> and it's not really worked. So now I get married and... A week, and, you know, I'm still eating biscuits and gravy because you judge a man's wealth by the size of his waist, and I want to be rich, baby. I want to be so rich. Um, And that's what, that's my week. I hope you guys have had a good week at work and maybe after work and on the weekends, whatever you do, wherever you live, and that's it. Go out and eat some biscuits and gravy. I don't really know where this is going after this. We'll talk some more baseball next on the list. Yes, next on the list, now that we're done with breakfast foods and my Ron Swanson-esque passion for biscuits and gravy, back to baseball, back to the American League, American League, American League Cy Young, American League MVP. I wrote a piece a couple days ago and uploaded it to the website, shameless plug, greatestunder.com. <laughs> I built the site on uh, WordPress. I don't really know what I'm doing. I found a template and I paid them a lot of money to have a business site so I could do stuff with it. But all that fancy work, I actually got a post uploaded, and I explored, well, a couple days before that, I was going through my head what I thought the uh, AL Cy Young would look like. That's where the conversation had started, and I was always Team Kluber because I saw him pitch last year during the World Series, and he provided a ton of torture for me during the World Series, being a lifelong Cubs fan slash lifelong drinker of cheap old style beer, which is delicious by the way. He provide yeah, provide a lot of angst. He tormented me all through the series and when game 7 happened, I was super nervous, but I saw his stuff all year. He's an amazing pitcher. FanGraphs rated his slider as the best pitch of the last decade. How they came up with that, I don't know, but I could only imagine it was just the pure unhittability of that particular pitch, the slider that made him just the best. So, I was hands down 
it made no sense to go with anyone but Corey Kluber for the AL Cy Young because every pitching stat, he's better than Chris Sale at this moment besides strikeout rate. Chris Sale strikes out more guys. Notably, his 300th strikeout of the year. First guy to do it in 18 years. And I'm wanting to say there's another number with him about only the 14th guy to do it since 1920. Either way, a 300 strikeout season is pretty rare. Um, so that was a huge accomplishment. But I started to kind of dig in and put a little more thought into who, what Chris Sale is like as a pitcher. Now, him and Corey Kluber's numbers, they both have a sub-one whip, which means each inning they pitch, less than one guy gets on base. So that's a phenomenal number. If you can keep that number below one, especially in today's game with the long ball, you're doing a really good job because with this season, obviously has set a record in home runs, but has also set a record for the amount of guys hitting 20 home runs, right? And especially rookies. I think 10 rookies this year have hit 20 home runs, and that previous number had never went over five. And even that, the amount of guys that hit, the amount of rookies that hit 20 home runs in a regular season, that happened five times, but only a few times, like maybe less than a handful. So that's a rarity for sure. And just the the insistence upon the long ball in today's game and the three true outcomes, a pitcher can't afford to walk guys anymore and put guys on base because all, literally it's one swing of the bat and your team could be down two runs. At this point, if you walk a leadoff hitter in an inning he's got a 33 percent chance of scoring shout out to uh, hawk harrelson for that stat i think he said it about a million times if you watch a chicago white Sox broadcast and you just can't afford to do that so that's that's one of the reasons why both of these pitchers are so valuable because they don't let guys get on base and on top of that they both have an earned run average of under three and they can strike guys out when they need to so swings and misses, they generate swings and misses, which is really good if you want to avoid allowing a lot of home runs. All of that's just kept their numbers really low. Guys can't hit him. Guys can't get on base. But I think here I wrote that Chris Sale should be the AL Cy Young, and I wrote that Chris Sale should be the AL MVP. And I stand by that. I, I do. I do. It's not the popular thing for sure. If Unless you live in Chicago or Boston – you're not going to agree with me, but let me talk. I'm going to let you finish. Chris Sale is so dominant on the mound. I was watching, I've watched a lot of White Sox games before. Mark Burley comes to mind as a guy who goes to the mound, gets to the business, business. He's so dominant and has a mound presence that is intimidating. And that's huge for the team that you're on, not only the other guys in the starting rotation on the pitching staff, but also the bench because you want to play with a guy like that. You you do. You do. You absolutely want to play with a guy like that. So that's why I think Chris Sale should be the AL MVP. Let's start with the MVP race. In my eyes, with everything that the Boston Red Sox have done and what they've went through this season, there's no doubt in my mind that Chris Sale is the American League MVP. If I look, let's name some MVP candidates. I think at this point, your most popular MVP candidates in the American League are Jose Altuve, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone else. One of those three guys will likely be given the award. And then fourth, Mike Trout. Okay, Take those four guys and then put Chris Sale in as our fifth. 
and you can even put Kluber in as the six if you want to, because if I'm thinking about giving a pitcher the AL MVP, whatever, let's put Kluber into the mix, devil's advocate. If I take all those players and remove them from their respective teams, right now, which team does the worst when they're missing their best player? It's the Red Sox, without a doubt. Look where the Red Sox are at right now. They're going to win 90 games. They're going to win their division. What's happened to the Red Sox right now? David Price, bust. Everyone's talked about Pablo Sandoval's contract being the worst in Red Sox history. David Price is pitching out of the bullpen now. He's been useless last year and this year. He might be your most valuable bullpen guy. His bullpen outings have been really good. But either way, when you sign a guy like that for $217 million and you don't get the product, you can't return that. That's not good for your team. That you're missing a huge piece of it. A power arm you were counting on just doesn't exist anymore. Right? So you've lost David Price. You sent Travis Shaw to the Milwaukee Brewers for a, a reliever that won't, won't see the light of day in Boston. He may never pitch again. And then on top of that, you've got the failed Kung Fu Panda experiment because you sent Shaw away because you thought, oh, let's have Panda, but that didn't work out at all. And then Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts, great players. They are the they make up two of the three best outfielders. In, no, Xander Bogarts is an infielder. But Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts, their seasons aren't up to par what they were last year. And then on top of that, you've lost David Ortiz. And this team's still winning their division. In the same division against the Yankees team, probably the best bullpen in baseball and a phenomenal offense. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind if Chris Sale's not on the Red Sox, not only do the Red Sox not win the division, I'm not sure they make the playoffs without that side action, Randy Johnson looking throw with his cutter and his fastball. Chris Sale's fastball generates such a high rate of swings and misses. His slider is disgusting. The pitch he threw for his 300th strikeout, the guy flinched. And it was called a strike. Chris Sale throws guys pitches, and the guys flinch, and then the ball somehow ends up down the middle. I don't. I've thought many times. Like I went to the batting cages a few weeks ago, and I couldn't hit a baseball at all. Just couldn't hit a baseball. I can't do it. I was even in the slow pitch, and Courtney is recording me hit, and she's taunting me from the background, going, "It's only slow pitch. You can't hit the baseball." And so I think in my head, like, would I let, like a major league baseball pitcher like pitched to me because I would be terrified and I think if Chris Sale threw me one of his breaking balls I think I would fall to the ground because I would think it was just going to take my head off and major league batters who should understand pitches and how they come to them I watched the guy flinch that 300 strikeout was this crazy breaking ball the guy moved out of the way he scares you on the mound he does and I absolutely without a doubt his numbers are comparable to Corey Kluber's, but they're not as good, okay? But Chris Sale does more for his team out of all of those MVP candidates than all of them. The intimidation, the mound presence, that is a guy that the team wants to play for, and they look at him, and they want to play well when he's on the mound, but then they also want to play well when he's off the mound because they see how he carries himself. He's John Wayne but a taller, lankier version who wears a jersey with the number 41 on the back. I'm all in on Chris Sale being the American League MVP because he is the best pitcher in the league, 
and he is more valuable to his team than anyone. It's hands down. It doesn't matter. If I could go through the list and try to tell you one by one why those guys don't matter as much, but Altuve's got other really good guys on his team. Trout, he, he missed too much of the season, right? And his team, he couldn't carry him to the playoffs. It, he didn't have enough tools for it. Trout's just... He missed too much of the year, so he can't be the most valuable player. Because, honestly, if Mike Trout doesn't miss that chunk of the year, his team might have overtaken the Twins and made the postseason. Because when he was gone, his team played at 500 or just over 500 ball, which is what they've played all year. So maybe if he was there during that span, strength of schedule, they're a few games up and they beat the Twins. But he was hurt, so he just didn't get the chance to be MVP. But Aaron Judge, I could make the case for. Aaron Judge just breaking Mark McGuire's record, heating up again. He had arguably the best first half that we've seen in quite some time. And I'm not talking about rookies. I'm just talking about players in general. Then six weeks, batted about a buck seventy, and struck out 37 games in a row. I mean, that's that's real bad. But he's back now. He's hitting home runs, which is great because guess what? The playoffs are starting, and if the Yankees can get past the Twins, they're going to have to play the Indians. Good matchups coming through the AL for sure because you're going to look at the Yankees playing the the Yankees playing the Indians and the Astros playing the Red Sox. Always when I record, my brain farts. So if anyone's listening to this podcast, maybe about 10 podcasts from now will be good. But I'm all in on the AL MVP race being between Aaron Judge and Chris Sale, and absolutely Chris Sale should win the American League Cy Young. The unfortunate part part about all this speculation is I'm going to be wrong on both accounts. Jose Altuve is getting the MVP. Corey Kluber is getting the Cy Young. But one can hope that, and I promise I'm not a grumpy baseball guy like Goose Gossage, because I do love stats and I do love numbers. But I also love the intangibles of an athlete and what they can bring to the team. Kind of like Jason Hayward, you know, his first year with the Cubs was last year, and he's a well-paid right fielder. He uh, offensively had a horrible season, had offensive numbers that looked about like a pitcher that hits. That's, That's what it was. But everyone knows about the rain delay and the talk in the weight room, and I really do believe... And they're building teams like that now. If you read um, The Cubs Way by Tom Verducci, GMs are building teams. A lot of it, they're taking into account like the person's personality and their character. But you never hear about that type of stuff, I feel like, when you talk about the MVP. It's just strictly numbers. But I'm all in on what a person brings to the team, the intangible aspects of being able to lead, being able to set the tone and set a mindset in the clubhouse in a positive way. And Lord knows the Red Sox need it because, well, David Price just hates the media, and I think Chris Sale's their guy. And just um, that's my advice to the Red Sox is keep the kid in a good jersey because if not, he's going to cut it up and not play baseball at all, which is awesome. But I guess, you know, we'll wrap this show up. It's about 31 minutes in, so if we're done talking about baseball and breakfast, I am Quentin. You listen to The Greatest Show on Dirt. If you made it this far, thank you for listening. We will get this uh, episode four up pretty soon. And otherwise, everyone have a great weekend.